Hey, and welcome to Sweet Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com. You can find me on all social channels at IamAndreaBrown. And if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you can get updates when new episodes air. Sweet Talk recaps the Oprah Winfrey Network's critically acclaimed show, Queen Sugar. Today's episode covers season three, episode two, entitled Of Their Sojourn Here. As the episode opens, Nova is faced with a challenge. As a writer, and I think as anyone who has experienced anything in which you had to answer to someone higher than you, you know how challenging it can be to have an editor slice and dice your work. So whether that's your work as a teacher, whether that's your work as a journalist, whether that's your work as whatever it is that you do, if you have someone that supervises you and they slice and dice your work or change what you actually have written to make it more palatable for someone else it is extremely challenging and that's exactly what nova had to deal with the article that she wrote about the the kids that wound up protesting at the basketball game was changed completely when it was published in the newspaper and when she confronted her editor about it he simply said hey you know while you're getting all this critical acclaim People have stopped subscribing to the newspaper because they don't like your perspective. And so at the end of the day, things became less about real journalistic standards and more about making sure that the newspaper kept the lights on. Charlie gives the opportunity to speak to all the Black farmers in the community, all of those people that really like truly left her at the end of last season. I mean, they had good reason to. There were a lot of rumors circulating about Queen Sugar the Mill itself. And when you have your whole livelihood invested in a harvest, you don't want to entrust it to someone who doesn't really have references. I mean, Charlie was new to the game at that point. And so a lot of the Black farmers wanted to take their crops to someone that they knew would make sure that stuff got done correctly. And that's what they did. They took it right back to the Landry's. But Charlie managed to wrangle them back and she was able to get them to understand that they would be able to maintain a locked-in five-year discounted rate by coming back and milling with Queen Sugar. Now, that all sounds well and good and Charlie made an excellent, really touching speech about how much she cared about the community. However, she hasn't been totally honest with them about who actually owns the mill because as we remember, Charlie sold her interest in the mill to the Landry family. Essentially, Charlie is a figurehead of Queen Sugar. She's like the mascot, like Ronald McDonald or Wendy or... The Burger King. We know none of those characters are calling the shots, but that's what everybody knows. So if they were to see Charlie in the street, they would assume that she was the one that was running the business. Now, it's a little bit different because these Black people are assuming that Charlie is still the one running the show, and she's really, really not. 
I think this is going to be a place where this could backfire on her and it will backfire on her tremendously because, again, she's manipulating the trust of the people in the community in an effort to go on this crusade that really, really has no point but pure vindication for her. At that same meeting, Remy happened to be there and it took place in the High Yellow, which honestly, I really think that the High Yellow really is an amazing name for a restaurant. And it's so fitting for the community. It's a high yellow. The high yellow. That is very funny to me. Anyway, Remy was there. And he decided to confront Charlie about her dealings with the Landrys and the Boudreaux. And rightfully so. I mean, of course, this is kind of what led to the demise of their relationship. It was the catalyst. But at the base of it, Charlie didn't feel like Remy was giving her the benefit of the doubt, and Remy didn't feel like he could trust Charlie. And clearly, he still can't, because she's still not telling the truth. On a brighter note, Aunt Violet's pie business is going through the roof. I mean, she's been selling pies at the grocery store for a while now, and things are going well for her. Actually, so well that the owner of the grocery store's approached her and said, hey, Violet, I really, really want to put your pies in all of my grocery stores in the center display. And I think it would be beneficial for you. And I'll even give you an increased rate on the royalties. Say what now? What? Of course she's taking that. It's an offer that she couldn't refuse. The downside to it, however, was that she was going to have to double her production. Now, we know that Violet is dealing with this diagnosis of lupus. And while she doesn't seem to think that it's slowing her down, truly, it is. That being said, she's hired an assistant. And that assistant is interesting, to say the least. She's a little dingy, in my opinion. But hey, whatever. She's getting the job done. But even with that assistant, there's no way for her to double her pie orders in her own kitchen. She only has one oven. And at some point in this episode, that oven goes out. Of course, this is a challenge for her. She had to make a decision as to what she was going to do. Now, in the midst of all of this, Hollywood actually received his settlement check from that explosion on the rig. And so now the money is actually in his hand and he's ready to ball out. You know, some people say, oh, I want to hold this. I want to hold that. I want to make sure I save this, put this in stocks and bonds. It's actually what Charlie told him to do. But Hollywood said, hey, I'm about to I'm ready to buy some stuff. And one of those things that he wanted to buy for Violet was a new oven. Now, you know, Aunt Violet is not the type. To allow anyone to do anything for her. She's been independent for so long that she doesn't want anybody to do anything that she would feel like she would owe them. Even her man. So instead of allowing Hollywood to help her fix the situation, she has to go on a mission to try to figure out where she can bake more pies. And what does she do? She decides to bake them in the high yellow without permission from the owner. So, of course, when the owner comes in and sees this, 
he's incredulous, asks her what she's doing. She's like, I'm baking pies. And of course, she's using the high yellow. (laughs) Of course, that pie baking is not going to have any benefit for the high yellow. And so, of course, the owner is not really interested in seeing her baking pies in his kitchen. So she has to find another place. And she didn't want to talk to the ladies at the church. Apparently, they have some previous beef. But she decides to go talk to the people at the church. She winds up going to the bingo hall to meet up with these church ladies. And that's always so funny to me. Like, everybody likes to play bingo. Like, what is up with that? Whatever. I don't understand bingo. I mean, I get it, but I don't understand the allure behind bingo. It's bingo. This is a game we played as children, but people are so very much so invested in bingo. There's bingo halls. I just don't get it. But any, that's beyond the point. Aunt Violet had to go to the bingo hall to find the sister and bribe her with royalties from the pie sales into the church account in order for her to be able to use the church's kitchen to bake her pies. Whole time, Hollywood is looking at her like, girl, I could have solved this for you a long time ago and you wouldn't have have to give up the bag to get it done. And of course, that's going to be a point of contention for them over the course of these next few episodes, I would assume. Like, how many times do I have to tell you that I'm down for you and I want to ride for you? Will you let me help you? Will you let me help you? I think that's something that all relationships kind of go through, especially when you're someone that's been stuck in their ways for so long. It's a little bit challenging to allow other people in to assist you in things that you feel like you can do yourself. Additionally, Aunt Violet has an additional layer of this because she's trying to prove to herself that her diagnosis is not slowing her down. She doesn't need any help. She wants to maintain her independence. But at the end of the day, whether she had lupus or whether she was 100% healthy, she would still need assistance to get done the things that she needs to get done. So Nova had to ponder this decision about the newspaper. Do I stay and allow them to stifle what I have to say, to fit the words and the truth to their standard and what the readership wants? Or do I just take my book deal and run? Well, what do black women do when they need to make a decision? Many people pray. Many people seek wise counsel. And a lot of times that wise counsel comes from a sister circle. And that's exactly what Nova did. She had a little conversation with her girlfriends and they were telling her, hey girl, there's no way that you cannot take that book deal. You've worked so hard and now you have the ability to let the grassroots go and leave it to people who have capable hands to take care of it. So from that conversation, Nova made the decision to let the newspaper go and really focus on writing that book. Now, mind you, the book was supposed to be a compilation of all the essays and articles that she had written, most of which were published in the newspaper. So think about this. 
was that really a good decision for her to make? Like, leaving the newspaper and uh, just letting it go? Probably not. Because if I'm the newspaper editor, I'm probably going to be salty about it, and I'm probably not going to release the rights to the articles that were written previously. Because if you know anything about anything, you know that once you publish something, the paper or the entity that you publish it in actually owns it, unless they say that you own it. And so I don't know what good that's going to do Nova in terms of her book deal. But there was something that was shared in her sister circle conversation that really struck me. One of the ladies said that black girl magic is hard work. And that really, really resonated with me. I think we'll jump more into that during the breakdown. Our boy Micah has been grappling with what he saw at the basketball game since the basketball game. He's known deep inside for a while that he wanted to change something different than what he had been experiencing in his private school. And so he decides to have a conversation with his dad about possibly going to public school. His dad tells him, hey, son, I mean, you know, your mom is not going to be down for it, but I see what you're saying. You'd really like to experience life as a public school student and you feel like you'd have a better leg up. You get noticed by these Ivy League schools because you'd be at the very, very tippy, tippy top of your class. And Ivy Leagues are going to recruit more from public schools because there aren't as many students of high caliber at those schools. I get it. Okay. But you know your mom's going to have the final say. And we all know that Charlie wasn't going to be down for it. But he asked her anyway. And you know what she said? She said no. She said she's worked too hard to provide him with opportunities to let him squander it on public school. All he's ever known is private school. So why now? At some point, Charlie finds herself in Micah's room and she noticed that he's begun to hang up the photos that he's been taking with his new camera. All the photos are of Black people living their Black lives, but they're absolutely amazing photos. And I think in that moment, she's really starting to take notice of Micah and the way that he is changing So when Micah joins her in the room, he pleads his case again for public school. And he recounts his experience at that basketball game and tells her that being in that space was the first time he felt like he didn't have to justify his presence. I mean, think about it. This kid has been in private school his entire life. Partially because... His dad is a high-profile athlete and has the means to allow him to be there. So can you imagine the conversations that were had? Oh, you're only here because your dad is a basketball player. Well, no, he's really actually smart too, but... I mean, his dad did have the means to put him there. 
But how many times have we been through situations like that? Like, oh, you probably are only here because of affirmative action. Or maybe I had the highest GPA in my class. Or maybe I'm just really, really good at my job. Or no, I actually live in this gated community because I worked hard and was able to purchase this home. These are things that Black people go through all the time. And I think in that moment, it finally hit Charlie that she would have to allow her son the opportunity to be in a place where he felt like he was accepted. And so she allows him to test it out. Charlie and Ralph Angel decide that they're going to go out for a little brother-sister time. And they wind up going to a bar and they have a conversation about parenthood. And Ralph Angel is still struggling, trying to figure out if he is the right thing for Blue. Because Blue, of course, has been cutting up. And he tells Charlie this and Charlie reassures him. And they go on and have an excellent, excellent night. Ralph Angel keeps tipping his cup and he's drinking and dancing with the ladies and on her way out, Charlie hops in her Range Rover, gets outside in nightmare situation. The car won't start. Man, that's crazy. Seems like the battery is dead, so she's trying to start the car. It won't start, and a guy is walking by. She has her window down, and he suggests to her, hey, your battery might be dead. She's like, what? Um, okay. So he gives her a jump. They have a little conversation and he's like, hey, you know, uh, make sure you don't turn it off until you get home. She's looking at him. OK, they got a little vibe situation going. Come on, Latin lover guy. He's really cute. And as he's getting ready to walk away, he stops in his tracks, turns around and gives her his number. Now, Charlie hasn't really been seeing anybody. She's got the charade that she's pulling with. Jacob Boudreaux, but she doesn't really feel him. That's all a part of her little game. But this guy, I think she's really interested in or could be interested in. So we'll see where that goes as the season progresses. So back to that statement that Nova's friend made during their sister circle conversation about black girl magic being hard work. I think that was the most poignant thing that I've heard in a very long time. People always laud this idea of black girl magic and how black girls are so incredible and we have the capability to do so much and we're always creating and we're always being vibrant and we're always amazing. But there's a lot that goes into that behind the scenes. And I don't think people really understand that. That these things just don't happen overnight. That it's not really magic. It's the product of hard work for years and years. Dedication to doing things that some people just decide that they're not going to do. That's really what black girl magic is. It's the ability to keep persevering despite all of the circumstances. And that, that's not something that's super easy. And people don't seem to get it. And that's why 
the term black girl magic is kind of it's kind of weird for me while i understand it i love celebrating black women who are doing great things Calling it magic kind of discounts all of the effort that was put in to get the achievements that we have. And I just thought that it was interesting that they had that conversation. I think as Black women, it's important that we document our stories so that people understand that there is so much that goes on behind the scenes of these great achievements that we have. That's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, people need to know that we're not superhuman, that they can't just assume that we're going to be able to do any and everything and not hurt and not cry and not be stressed. We're not superheroes. But number two, it's important for our younger sisters to know that things just do not happen overnight. That an overnight sensation is normally like 10 years in the making. But when all we see is a highlight reel on Instagram, it's hard to understand what's reality and what's fiction. So I guess the challenge for me and for anyone else who's successful at anything is that it's important to share your highs, but it's also important to share those lows the pitfalls, the failures that help you to get to the place of your achievement. So that black girl magic is really difficult, difficult work compounded over years and years. And it's important to let people know that so that we can decipher what's real and what's fake. Just something to think about. That wraps up another episode of Sweet Talk. I am Andrea Brown of IamAndreaBrown.com. You can find me on all social channels at IamAndreaBrown. And please, please be sure to subscribe so you'll get notifications when new episodes post. You'll be able to catch Sweet Talk every Thursday that there is a new episode of Queen Sugar. And I'll look forward to hearing your feedback. Talk to you soon.